Hey there, welcome to Your Basket is Empty, a space where I sit down with interesting people in DTC, e-com and tech. I'm your host, Tim. So this is Series 3 of 2021 and I'm returning to the agency world. Over the month of August, my guests and I will explore what it's like to grow and navigate a business through the complexities and challenges of an evolving digital landscape. On this episode, I chat with Matt Bland, co-founder of the branding agency Ragged Edge. We discuss how a childhood dream led to the creation of Ragged Edge, moving from agency adolescence to agency adulthood, the advantages of finding a niche, the keys to a successful business partner relationship, and how they solved their own brand problem. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clayvio, Clayvio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Matt, welcome to the podcast. How are you and where are you? Hey, Tim. I'm really well, and I'm currently in our studio in Farringdon, London. Um, I'm, I'm curious as to what your current uh, work-from-home situation is with the team. What, what are you guys doing at the moment? Sure, yeah. It's a hot topic for sure. Um, we have obviously been in lockdown for the majority of the last 18 months. Uh, working from home, we sort of picked up our computers back in what, March last year and all headed to our homes, lounges, bedrooms. Um, and then to the last summer, I suppose, as things seemed to sort of ease and cases, COVID cases were, were sort of on the decline, we, a few of us made our way back into the studio, uh, which is great. And in the meantime, we'd really sort of worked hard on ensuring we sort of set the team up as best as we could to cope with that remote working because you know what we do is it, it's it's so collaborative and and obviously so different to be doing it over zoom and uh now more recently in the last sort of few weeks we've we've sort of encouraged the team to come back but um when they feel comfortable to do so we're aware of quite a few agencies similar to us have sort of been back for a while like five days a week and we've sort of taken the approach of saying to the team look there's definitely benefits with working from home we've done some amazing work and we've employed people and they've joined and it's all been smooth thanks to the the hard work of the team to make that 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 work okay um but we're sort of saying like use the sort of freedom responsibility type approach to figure out what works best for you so they can all get the benefit and the best of both worlds really of being in the studio but also having that time to work from home when they need it and that that seems to be working it's still early days and it is a bit of an experiment yeah um, but we're starting to get that buzz back into the studio which you know i think we're all craving and <laughs> uh, this week we've had clients in we've had oh nice lunches in the park and um yeah it's the buzz is coming back which is great it's really really feeling good and hopefully it will stay oh wow uh reminds us of uh, 2019 the bliss of 2019 yeah. um <laughs> so I, I i'm always keen to sort of uh start by rewinding um tell me how ragged edge came to be sure um well, i suppose for me personally i'd have to go way back to answer that question and maybe do it justice um probably when i was well, when I was a kid, when I was like 10, 11, I, I found myself spending a lot of time uh, with my dad at his work in my holidays. Um, and I was always sort of quite intrigued and t- uh, watching him at work and watching him 
sort of deal with people. And he was basically a salesman by trade, but mm-hmm. he, he was sort of being employed to um, come into existing companies and sort of build out regional um, sites for them. And it was also like distribution. So he'd be challenged with uh, going out and finding a site in a certain region in the UK. And then um, I guess sort of building a team, um, implementing all the logistics of, that were required to then build that distribution warehouse or, or operation. Um, and then build up customers, build up sales and make a success of it before maybe he might be able to do that for a, another company in the same in the same sector. And I just found that fascinating, like the, the challenge that he had and the, the sort of satisfaction I could see he was getting out of working with people hands-on in every way you could imagine in, in regards to setting up and building a, a business. And I just thought, wow, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be doing this when I'm older and I'd love to see what I could do in the same situation. So I guess that was that was my first sort of thoughts around what I might want to do when I'm older, uh, which was like starting a business or having a business or building a business. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea doing what. Um, and then I think when I was about 12, uh, my dad's bosses uh, were having a bit of a clear out and they needed to um, get rid of a few things. And they thought I might be interested in taking these things off their hands. And one one of which was a pool table. And they they delivered this pool table, this massive lorry. Um, and we unpacked it and decided we were going to build it in our dining room, at, or, or to my sort of mum's horror. Um, and, and that became like the focal point of the house for, for a long time. I sort of spent a lot of my teenage years just trying to get good at pool, uh, playing with my friends, playing with my family, et cetera. But on that same lorry, they brought me a computer. Um, um, and it was a, an, an Amstrad PCW8256, so basically a word processor, a computer for, for business. And they, they had this computer in their business for, for a number of years and obviously didn't need it anymore. And when I unpacked it and set it up after sort of, you know, playing too, too much on the pool table, um, I, I realized it came with all this software that someone they'd worked with had, had written for their business. And it was like stock management, it was um, product inventory, et cetera. And I just found it fascinating. And I spent my early teenage years playing pool and trying to decipher the software and crack the code and understand the code that, that had been written on this computer and, and, and trying to emulate it as well. And I, I was just, I remember just trying to create software that looked good and, and did something, but I was terrible at it. Um, so that was, I think when I figured out what I wanted to do, that was something in computing. And I, I guess I spent the next 10 years, like 12 onwards, skilling up. And I went to university and I basically took, studied a degree that was really giving me all the skills I needed to build digital products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a, a vast sort of range of modules on the course that we studied, like IP law, um, coding, database yep. design, project management. It was all in there. Um, and towards the end of the degree, we were challenged to do a year in placement and and make something, build a digital product, basically. So I ended up um, building a digital product for the company I did my placement year at. And it was this point where the company was a big, big company, like hundreds of people, um, and they were a a sort of wholesaler um, with hundreds of products. And they had a team of salespeople going out with new laptops, um, trying to win business, sell products. But the way they were presenting the products was was sort of quite archaic. It was they were printing out like these product sheets and sticking on photos of the products and then taking them to the clients and leaving them with the the, the buyers and trying to convince them to buy these products um, off the back of these paper sheets. And they had laptops but had no real purpose for them. And I I could sort of see that there was a real easy win for me because I had to build this digital product. I could build something that would help them promote the products. Um, on those laptops and then eventually in the browser and then give the clients 
the option to access the information themselves. And you have to remember, I suppose, that this was quite a while ago, like before internet was really used in earnest by business every day. Like we, a university, we only had access to the internet in the library. Yeah. Um, and you certainly didn't have broadband at home. But but that was my opportunity. And I, I guess it was a timing thing. Like I was just, I was, I'd skilled up. I, I knew I had a lot that I could do to make quite a big impact on this business. And I probably didn't really have much right to, sort of just wade in and, and start sort of building this piece of software for such a big company. But the opportunity presented itself. I did that. I presented it back to my immediate boss and he he saw real sort of potential in the company using it for real. And I I, I didn't think it would come of anything. I just thought it'd be a nice end of year project. Um, and then pretty quickly, he was sort of saying to me, right, the, the, the big boss is over from the US. He's upstairs. Can you go and show him this software? I was like, really? Okay. And so I headed up to the top floor, never met the guy. Um, and the the person on reception said, he's in the boardroom. So in I went to the boardroom and I walked in and there was like 15 of these, sort of, I guess the leadership team sat around with Wally at the head, the, the big CEO guy. Um, and he was like, load it up, show us what you got. And I had to demo this software that I built in my bedroom. Um, I won't even say what I built it in. Um, it's very old and archaic, embarrassing, but but I showed it to them. I did my best at presenting. It was pretty nerve wracking. I probably talked a million miles an hour. They probably understood some of what I said, but probably not all of it. Um, but they they saw the potential. They they wanted to use it, and that was amazing. And it wasn't quite finished, but I, I sort of got a real buzz from that. And I thought, wow, you know, if I can finish this, and if they really do use it, then I'm gonna. There's a real opportunity to make such a big impact. You know, at the very beginning of my career on a on a business that. I guess has been sort of just struggling to, to sort of make use of digital in the appropriate way. Um, and, and that's when I really thought, this is what I want to do. I want to be, you know, building, I guess, digital, because that's what I knew, solutions that would really make a big impact and, and change business for, for the better. Um, so that's that was the first sort of 10 years of my thinking around what I wanted to do. And then shortly after that, I, I started working with a web agency um, who were working with me on this digital product and they were helping me build like a back end so we could sort of integrate it with the, the company I was working for at the time, back, out, back office systems. Um, and they said, look, why don't you come work with us? And they were a two-man agency um, and really exciting guys, very talented, and they complemented each other perfectly. One was, you know, sort of dealing with the clients and the other was writing all the websites and, yep. and all the code and design and, and i just wanted to be a part of it and it gave me really great experience to not only sort of what a startup felt like but also they had this real like entrepreneurial spirit and they'd they built e-commerce solutions completely from scratch like before you know wordpress or uh, shopify was a thing mm -hmm. and they were launching e-commerce stores themselves and then stocking the products and shipping them out and dealing with the clients and customers um dealing with the SEO and promoting on AdWords, et cetera. And I got to be involved in that. So we were we were building websites for clients and I was given the opportunity to go and try and win new work and manage the clients and do the coding and get involved in the design and the UX. But then also, you know, the boss would come in on a Monday and say, look, I've had an idea and we'd, we'd repurpose an e-commerce site we built maybe a month ago and then launch it. Um, say with a different product range for a different audience um, that week. And, and it just, it just felt really, really exciting. And I just learned so much from working with Ben and Mark. Um, and I felt ready. I felt ready to, to launch a business. And it was around that time 
that I met Max. I met him at a party mm-hmm. and we instantly sort of connected over the fact that we both wanted to start a business um, and I was sort of wanting to build a digital business and he was a self-taught designer. He'd, he'd had a, a sort of frustrating few years, I think. He'd, he'd worked in a, an ad agency and was given the, the task of trying to promote credit cards, which obviously sort of leads to people sometimes getting into debt and he, he'd sort of re- really lost his his sort of um, his his way a bit, I suppose, in finding the ability to work with integrity, and and so we connected that night. And as at that party, as people sort of around us like got progressively drunk, we just spent the whole night talking. <laughs> about how great it would be to to start a company like Integrity at its heart, you know, bearing yep. Max's experience, and you know, I was just so desperate to take everything I'd learned from Ben and Mark and and from my previous sort of like university experience and and working in the bigger company. And, and roll it into building some exciting digital products and from Max's side, working on the design. And, and he was out there, I guess, like freelancing and, and meeting people yep. And, yep. and winning small opportunities that I helped him on, whether it be an identity design or a website. And then one day he went to a network networking breakfast, which I know he absolutely hated and has never been to one again since. <laughs> and he met one of the co-founders of a, a luxury travel company. And they were sort of pretty early on in their journey, sort of really young guys, really talented, really knew what they wanted to do. And it just so happened they were looking for an agency to build a website. Max may have um, suggested that he had an agency and we could do nice. that. Nice. And they they sort of, I think they, you know, they kind of knew we were just two guys, but they were willing to take a chance on us. And luckily they did. So I was still at the, the, the four-man agency or five-man agency by this time. Um, so Max was like feeding me designs for this website. Um, and I was like building them after hours and on the weekends and yep. to the extent where I literally like slept in the office one night and uh, we just worked up to this deadline that we'd, we'd committed to. Um, and luckily like the client was really talented at, at sort of just crafting the copy and presenting their travel, um, uh, sort of bespoke travel uh, holidays that they were they were selling. And so we just brought it all together and, I sort of single-handedly with Max's designs obviously built this uh, website with a CMS, bespoke CMS completely from scratch. Um, and we launched it, I think on the 30, I think it was the 31st of July, 2007. And that the night before we hadn't slept um, to hit the deadline. And the same day, uh, Max, with a bit of help from his lawyer friend, we incorporated Ragged Edge and we we began and, and I sort of left my job and, we sort of said, look, how much money do we need to, to sort of do this comfortably? We had bills to pay. And you know, we looked at what I was getting paid in my current job. And we said, let's let's make sure that we can start paying ourselves pretty much that from day one. And, and we, we managed to do that. And we took an office space um, just off Oxford Circus. And all of a sudden we we had an agency and, and it was it was all ours. And it was really exciting. Wow, that's fascinating. So um let, let's just fast forward a little bit from there. So cool. you, you got to the point where with the two of you, you incorporated the company, you got the office, things yep. are starting to move. Like tell me, talk me through those first kind of like maybe uh, three to, to five years. Was it a slow, gradual thing? I mean, you guys must've started adding people to the team. Like how did all that kind of work? Did, did it go to plan? Did it not go to plan? Yeah. It, it, well, we didn't really have much of a plan if I'm honest. We just wanted to do the best work possible um, and we wanted to work with brands that we you know personally believed in or, or were engaged with and I guess at the time you know we were both sort of quite young living in London and 
um we we like i say took this space in Oxford circus and it felt like a great location to be and we met quite early on literally in the first sort of month or so of taking that office space we met um uh, the the team at bacardi and and they were bringing the gray goose vodka brand to the uk mm-hmm. and it was it was successful in the us but not really established in the uk and they again sort of took a real chance on us. And Natasha Curtin, who was looking after the brand back then, she took a chance on us and invited us to um, design some invitations for an event that they were hosting in collaboration with the Art John Ace Foundation. And um, we took on this job and it was really exciting. And we got invited to the, to the event itself. And it was, it was just great to sort of see our work sort of in situ and being used by the, the attendees to this event. And it, it was the beginning of a 14-year relationship with, with Bacardi and wow. Grey Goose. And since then, we've sort of gone on to work with Bombay Sapphire and other, other brands within, within the, uh, the Bacardi um, range. And that was a great start. We were very lucky. And we continue to work with the travel company, Black Tomato, who I, who I mentioned we built the initial website for. Um, and we went on to build, like, sort of, again, like, back-end bespoke systems for them, helping them run their day-to-day business and manage all the inquiries. And... You know, we sort of found ourselves doing this for a number of different companies, but also doing some really exciting stuff for Bacardi. And that was very lucky because very quickly we needed more people. And we met Luke, who um, sort of joined us as a freelance designer. And then also my one of my best friends from university, a guy called Ian, he was working in a big digital agency, um, really good developer, and wanted something different. And we yep. said, well, why don't you come and join us? You know, we're three-man agency come and join us and let's see what we can do and he was into that and so very quickly within I guess a year and a half it was it was four people and we'd outgrown that office space um and we found we had like this really exciting uh sort of blend of like cosmetic brands charities mm-hmm. travel companies and, and a lot of food and drink like a lot of restaurants were coming to us and wanting us to work on their on their their brands and build them websites and help them you know get get tables booked and uh you know sell wine online stuff like that so it was it was great it really tested us um we learned a hell of a lot um both from our clients and and from doing the work and uh it was it was full on it like it was it was literally seven days a week for a long time i remember just every day getting up and just going straight to the office and i was i was sharing a flat with with some some people at the time and they're like where are you you know and the, the only time they got to see me was like if we had an event through work and they'd come and join us and they didn't yeah. like was okay but that's how it was it was just you know for a good few years like just working seven days a week and uh it was great um i loved it and i think max loved it i know luke loved it and we like i say he joined as a freelancer but very quickly became full-time and, and so did ian so without growing that space and then quite quickly we moved to a larger space in Covent garden and we weirdly took like the what used to be the Paul Smith office above ah. the Paul Smith shops, and it had a really nice feel to the studio. And there was still some interesting choices of paint colours on the walls from the Paul Smith days. But we had more space, um, and if I'm honest, like the Bacardi account just exploded, and we found ourselves just taking on everything um, from the clients we had, but also that the phone kept on ringing, which was amazing. Yep. And it was all it was all recommendations. It yep. wasn't like we were promoting ourselves or anything, but we were definitely saying yes to everything. Um, and there was one summer in particular in those first sort of five or six years where we doubled our headcount. So we'd gone from like two to four, and then easily from four to eight, and then again from eight to sixteen mm-hmm. in quite a short period. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were like with Bacardi in particular, we were doing a lot of act- 
activation. So lots of events. And I think the, the sort of the most extreme was that Luke was designing a nightclub that was then built in John's garden and Luke and Max were there on the night. And um, it, was, it was just surreal in many ways, um, but very exciting, very challenging. And you just never knew what was going to happen. And that doubling of the headcount one summer was great, but we were just so focused on the work. We weren't, if I'm honest, like that focused on like, how do we help these people develop their careers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Teams and how are we going to scale this? Um, and it got so bad. There was one point where there was more people than desks and we had people sitting on the stairs. <laughs> and, you know, Steph, I'm sorry, you know, but yeah, she was poor, poor Steph was just stuck on the stairs for a long time. Um, but she she didn't seem to mind. It was like, is this okay? It's definitely not okay from a health and safety point of view. But <laughs> she was happy. And I think we were just really hungry for the work and and loving the client that we clients that we were working with the brands we were working on and uh, we were having meetings in the corridors and even the clients were enjoying it like the i guess the buzz the feel the the sort of culture that was that was forming was just really exciting to be a part of and i look back on it very fondly um although i don't think i could probably physically do it again <laughs> Well, that leads me on to another question, um, yeah. and it's something that I'm observing during the series and in my previous agency series, and that is that it seems that that the agency like trajectory is very similar to what you've described, but there's yeah. the, 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 there is a point maybe uh, of of kind of a, a maturity inflection point. I'm sort of calling it, and that is like by design or not, you kind of go from adolescence to adulthood, um, and it sounds to me like maybe that was a bit of the adolescence stage um have would you describe it like that is that how you've experienced it and like kind of what does it kind of look like now yeah, yeah i think absolutely we we were in those first two offices for about eight years of ragged edge um and then we'd outgrown it obviously that second space so we we then looked to move and did move to farringdon where we are now and we found a space that was appropriate um and we got to work with interior designers that we work with on other projects and they helped us design the interiors of the studio to really make it work well for us. And that really felt like we were maturing as we moved out of that space that was just really fun and uh, bursting at the seams. So a space where we could actually, you know, invite clients and give them a meeting room to work in if they wanted to come and work in for the day uh, versus just sitting on the stair, obviously. Um, and it also gave us a chance to catch our breath and, and look back at what we'd achieved from the work point of view. And, and also the, consider and take stock of the, the talented team that we built and you know the the team we had were just 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 exceptional and they were producing world-class work um but at the same time we were just so we were just everything to everybody we we never really said no um and the team were craving more focus we needed it we we're working so hard so fast and in so many different i guess disciplines um you know, if we really want to scale this and get serious, we knew we had to focus. Um, so it feels like it was around that sort of time once we settled into the Farringdon office that we knew, like from talking to the team, you know, Luke in particular, that the branding was really where our, our passion lay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get to set the vision. You get, you know, it's the biggest strategic and creative opportunity in our opinion. And we knew we had to move from, I guess, generalists to specialists. Um, and I think, you know, just to sort of give... The talented team what they deserved that's what we then went on to do and you know i guess it was important for us to continue bringing brands to life through ux through copy and digital design but one big 
sort of thing that we stopped doing at that point was was actually building websites in house because mm-hmm. um, we sort of could see that commercially it was it was a real challenge to make it work. You know, yep. the, the industry as a whole was really struggling, like the digital industry, like their staff costs versus what clients were willing to pay, and the commoditization of yep. digital agencies and what they had to offer was was the real challenge. Um, and we built sort of over the last what eight or even to like 10 years, we built a lot of, I guess, what we call like business critical websites with bespoke backends. And at that point, Ian decided very sensibly to move to Manchester and start family with his wife, which is where she comes from. So we'd sort of lost him in the studio and he was like freelancing for us. Um, And that meant I was getting drawn into supporting a lot of legacy systems and still working weekends. I remember like one Christmas, Christmas day, like being, called by a client who had an e-commerce website that was built in Magento and it had all gone wrong. And we'd somehow built this relationship with them <clears throat> where they needed us to support that. And we, we, we hadn't built it and we didn't really know how to support it particularly well. And, and all these things were getting in the way and stopping us from focusing. So we yep. made the big decision to, to stop building websites in-house. And we'd also partnered with some amazing digital partners who you know, we're, we're very focused on digital and, and we knew that if we focus on branding, which is where our passion lay, and we knew we could really, like I say, like have this real impacts for the clients and probably add the most value, then we could build some really exciting partnerships that would, would see us through the next, what, eight to 10 years. Um, so that's, that. they're the steps that we took, like moving from, from generalist to specialist, focusing on branding. And, you know, we got to work with, you know, specialist agencies like we make websites um, and we advise our clients at the time to, to make that transition. And it was, it was interesting making those calls. Like, you know, we, we need to break up basically. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm interested to just sort of like touch on that yeah. briefly, like, because it sounded like a really smart move and, and the way that you've described it, uh, it sounded like it went really smoothly, <laughs> but was it like a, a relatively long protracted process? And was there like a definitive start and end to it? Or was it, that was the strategy and we're just going to kind of run at it until the point where we're happy yeah. that we're now in the kind of more uh, focused or niche space that, that we want to operate? It was surprisingly smooth. Um, I remember sort of Luke just coming to us and say that we've, we've got to focus. And, you know, I think he was sort of like being approached by other agencies that were pure branding agencies. And you know, this is what, you know, we can do together. We have, basically, we had the team um, and then we could sort of really understand where our passion lay and very quickly everyone got behind that. And so we all worked together to sort of ensure that any clients that we needed to stop working with in the same way had a really um, solid sort of solution to go to. So yeah, it was, it felt like we, we sort of made that step in, in a short period. And then we sort of cleared the decks a bit. We had more time to think and more time to work on our our own sort of like strategy and and consider our, our own brand and like how we were showing up um, and also get to work on some really exciting branding projects. And I think around about that sort of time, we, we met um, the guys that were looking to start uh, Bulb, which is a really exciting brand that we got to work on with them from, from inception. Um, and, and also the micro chef guys and and we sort of put our you know branding skills to, to, to real sort of test there yep. and we got some great results and and we still have like working relationships with both of those clients today um but yeah it was pretty smooth and the team were really sort of energized and that sort of relentlessness of the previous eight years just sort of <laughs> faded away pretty quickly and, yep. and we, we had matured just like you you sort of said in your question 
Oh, nice. So that, I mean, that leads me on to a, a, another kind of um, point I wanted to, to discuss with you. Um, so there's a great article on your site about you guys embarking on an in-house rebrand. And I'm not sure if this was part of that, that process in that time period, but um, I know this is really challenging for agencies. It's, it's a common thing where the agency's brand position often <laughs> takes a backseat to the client work. So like talk me through how you guys went about it. Uh, why it was it important? And like, how have you kind of, what was the result of your, your current in-house rebrand? Yeah. Um, so I think as Max mentions in that article, um, we'd been working on and focus on the branding offer for probably a couple of years. Um, and we were, we were sort of seeing that we were making real progress. It was real like sort of build up and then breakthrough and the breakthroughs were, um, that we could see ourselves competing against, uh, I guess, a like higher caliber of agencies when we were going into new business pitches. And sometimes we were winning, sometimes we were losing. Um, but then we started to find ourselves winning more often against certain branding agencies. And they're, they're all so talented, the branding agencies out there. And uh, they're all so different at the same time. But Max had got this email back from one potential client saying, unfortunately, we're going to go with this other agency who... You know, we've we've spent time talking to you, like we have done with you, and you guys are identical, or seem to be identical in in the sort of approach and the style and the work you produce, and your understanding of our challenge um, and and the price. And that was obviously tough for us to hear, but we sort of sat back and thought about it and thought, well, actually, no, we're not we're not that similar. You know, if they'd have chosen us over the other agency, they would have had a different experience, and they most definitely would have got a different result you know for better or worse um so we realized i think as max puts it we had a we, we were a branding agency with a brand problem <laughs> as you said like we we sort of looked at all the other agencies that we were competing with and, and the upcoming agencies and the more established agencies and we we sort of saw a real obvious pattern that we were all pretty much communicating the same way and yep. just yep. not differentiating ourselves and putting the work first which meant that you know, we were giving nothing for the clients to really sort of go on apart from comparing the creativity that we we're putting out, hence encouraging probably that sort of like creative pitch situation because that's that's what they were judging us on. That's what they're making their decision on. And we knew that we needed to, to change that and we needed to communicate how we were different. And we believed and knew that we were very different to the other agencies out there. Um, so we started to work on that and we, we thought we've really got to bring, you know, what's what what we offer uh, to the forefront of our our brand um, and that's what we set out to do and and we sort of ended up if you read our website you know we'll talk about how we you know we work with the industry leaders scale-ups anyone that has a conviction to challenge the status quo and and that's what we were looking for we were looking to work with you know anyone who believed that branding really has the power to change organizations change industries and change perceptions and change behaviors mm-hmm. we 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 knew that we could do our best work working with these types of people and and these types of brands and we sort of labeled those people and brands as change makers um and i guess like do one of our copywriters probably puts it best when he says that you know we're an agency now or we, we we knew we were an agency then as well that wanted to work with people who cared less about how things are and more about how things could be so it's about that change and it's you know thinking back to that product that i built and yeah, somehow managed to get in front of the big boss and, and install into that big company. Like we'd made such a change so quickly. Um, and you know, Max and I were craving, and Luke was craving the opportunity to do that for exciting brands that that really believed in brand um, as, a, as a power to, to change um, organizations and industries, as I say. And, 
and then that's where the change maker positioning came from and and that really has worked for us and really has helped us sell in our point of difference and and we we still sort of use that as our as our mantra today and it works and do you think was it I'm wondering whether you coming from a more digital and maybe technology focused background, do you think that that's helped you guys because you've kind of seen both sides of the coin as opposed to say a pure branding agency from its, from its inception? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Um, we obviously brands, you know, digital needs to run through brands nowadays um, on every, on every front. Um, and a lot of the brands that we create, they, they are born online and they rely on, um, engaging with their audience purely online, and that definitely helped us, you know, build our build our portfolio and and sort of cut our teeth, I guess, as we really focus and double down on the branding offer. And it just means, yeah, when we approach a brand now, we've got in-house digital designers and you know experts in in that field, and we can we can go in and sort of present the the strategy and the identity and the tone of voice and the execution um, considering that sort of holistic approach for the brand when it when it comes to life online so yeah it really helps us every day um, and it's great to see the team you know really sort of um, owning the digital aspect of, of branding uh, and use that as a as a real sort of like um, positive for, for the work we do and and helps us, I think, stand out often um, with the clients that we work with and, and the clients that we win. So I imagine you've worn quite a lot of hats over the last 14 years. Um, I'd like to understand what have been the most enjoyable, what's been the most challenging. Sure. Um, I mean, you're right. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot. I mean, you name it, Max, <laughs> yeah. done it. You know, whether it's like, you know, sort of, trying to recruit people it's doing the accounts it's um decorating the office it's you know but we've done it yeah for sure but honestly i think i've enjoyed every role that max and i have you know either been forced or chosen to take on um and i think they've all been challenging in many ways but i suppose like the early years were pretty special like working with luke and max like there would be designing the identity for a client and then you know with me and Ian as well like the four of us would come together and work on like the UX and the digital design for maybe a, a, an e-commerce site or whatever it might be and then we were sort of let loose me and Ian on like sort of able to craft these websites and building these bespoke CMSs and e-commerce solution back-end solutions for our clients that we knew were going to change the way they work day to day and, and the identity aspect of it was something they were having to embrace and, and live with for years to come. So there was a huge amount of responsibility back then um, because we were just a, four, a team of four, um, whereas now obviously we're a team of nearly 40. Um, and so the responsibility is, is shared and you know we're surrounded by people that are so much more talented than than I was back then and and even are, are today uh, and so the early years were special um, but now we have this team of nearly 40 people I guess my role has evolved to sort of the overseeing and overrunning of the business like what I wanted to do back when I was 10 you know have a business and be yeah. running it and and so now this sort of phase if you like of this role I have right now is is also I think the most enjoyable um, you know, seeing the team around us just grow and develop and, and take on new challenges and learn on the, on the job, but also just develop in their careers and become so much more accomplished. And 
you know, having the feeling of having some sort of play in building the platform for that um, is, is really satisfying and really exciting. And it's what gets me out of bed in the morning nowadays. I, I, so I'd love to sort of rewind because the, the, when you were 10 and you had the idea of running the yeah. business, I'd love to understand, like, retrospectively, is it as you thought it would be? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know because I don't quite remember exactly what I was thinking at 10. I just remember thinking that watching my dad at work and being in his office was exciting and I kind of wanted to be involved. And I remember like even probably at school, you have to do like a work placement for a week or something. And I, my dad said, yeah, come along. And I was trying to get involved and trying to do something of worth and, um, I probably just got in the way, but <laughs> I just I just found the whole like keeping it all together and yeah, yeah, yeah. spinning lots of plates and just the, the opportunity to learn about so many different things at such a pace and obviously learning from mistakes. And uh, so I don't know if I'm answering the question, but but yeah, I suppose that that sort of intrigue around how everything fitted together and works is something I still have today. Yeah. Well, I suppose maybe 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 the um yeah. The, the the proof is the fact you haven't <laughs> packed it all in and gone and worked for a big corporate or someone else. So it is playing out as as you as yeah. you'd hoped, right? I think so. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, it gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, the sort of ongoing challenge, and it is every day is a learning opportunity. You know, from the clients, from the team around us, from just running the business, and you know, sort of partnering with you know the right accountants and the right lawyers and the right recruiters. You know, there's so much still to learn for Ragged Edge and you know we're 14 years old now and we've had a, a great journey we feel very lucky to have got to where we are um but there's like I say it's just still so much to learn well it's a good segue into and you've, you've mentioned Max a few times so I'd love to understand like how how's your relationship and your role evolved with with Max over time and you know talk me through sure. with a co-founder yeah yeah well I'm Honestly, I couldn't imagine doing it on my own. Like my dad has his own business and he is, he has employees, but he is on his own in many ways. And um, I, I think I'm very lucky to have met Max when I did because I sort of just felt ready to take the leap. And I, I was very happy in my job in, in the agency. It was, there was real potential there, but, but, you know, working with Max has always been exciting and he's always sort of just, I think what pe people say that we complement each other very well. And that night that we met, we instantly connected um, as friends and aligned on our ambition and shared the same values clearly. You know, and that's, that still remains today. Like we still have this really calm and considered and respectful relationship, working relationship. Um, and, you know, he's, yeah, we do compliment each other. Like he, he's tall, I'm not. <laughs> and he can pretty much turn his hands to, to anything. Um, he's also great at podcasts, whereas like today, you know, you're stuck with me, but he kind of makes up for all my weaknesses and, you know, maybe, maybe I compliment him in a similar way on some fronts, but, but yeah, it's the, the roles that we have have definitely evolved like initially um, because he was freelancing and, you know, sort of having to do his own tax returns, all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah. He was like looking after the, the financial aspects of the, the business, um, but also I guess sort of more, more sort of like client facing. I certainly had my fair share of clients that I managed. And it was interesting because the clients themselves, they either gravitated towards Max or towards me. And, you know, we never took offense, but we just knew, right, okay, these guys, you know, I'll manage these guys. And Max, you, you manage these guys. Yeah. And, 
it worked really well. Um, and then over the years, we just kept on, you know, just wanting wanting to level up. We both sort of sort of were in sync the whole way through, and and it's just got us where we are. Um, I think, and and like I say, that relationship still remains really strong, and there's that sort of real like mutual respect for each other as as we have for everybody at Ragged Edge, and and that sort of got us to where we are today. I I like to think. Um, but the roles have evolved slightly. You know, Max is very much focused on new biz and um, I'm focused on the internal runnings of the company and, and working closely with the client service team and uh, making sure that the financials are all in order, working with the accountants, et cetera, whereas he's he's not really touching that. So I'll just, you know, updating with the information he needs, you know, the, the, the raw facts that we then work through together and then he'll weave into what he's doing and it, it works really well. Again, I think the you know fourteen years and still going is a good. That's a good litmus test to 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 you being in this world and wanting to start the business and you guys having a great relationship, right? Yeah. So, I'd love to understand, um, which is slightly odd given what we've just talked about. But what <laughs> what would you be doing if you weren't running Ragged Edge? Wow, good question. Well, I mean, hopefully it'd be something with Max. Um, you know, I mean. Or the the wider ragged edge team like i've always believed and what's worked for us is like you know finding the right people um and then i guess what we did was like we we found the right people we built this amazing team and then we figured out what direction we wanted to take it in um so i think with the same team we could go in many different directions um but we listened to our passion and that's why we followed uh, the branding route um i suppose i, I, I could have easily have gone down the route of maybe a, trying to build a, a digital agency or mm-hmm. wanting a digital product. Mm-hmm. Um, so many different avenues like the pool. I was never that good at pool, so I couldn't have made it as a pool shark. <laughs> um, but, you know, it could have been good. could have been good. Um, but I think also maybe if, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I'd, I'd be really keen to work with my wife, actually. I mean, she she's building a business. She's, she's training to, to become a nutritionalist and she's a big inspiration for me. Just like Max, she's extremely hardworking. She's driven, she's ambitious. And so I feel very lucky to have both of them in my life. And I think, I think it'd be great to work with her. Like we're a good team. Um, but maybe, maybe also work with my dad, you know, he's, he's turning 78 next month and he's still running his own business. Wow. I think I could, I could still learn a hell of a lot from him. So that could be good. Um, so there's a few options. Oh, right. Wow. That, that's one of the most succinct answers I've had. I, I often ask that yeah. question. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, keep your options open. Is <laughs> yeah, options are good. Um, I'd love to get your take on like um, the best piece of advice for somebody embarking on their own agency journey. Any sort of um, wow. that okay. you suggest? I mean, there's so many things that you could you could sort of put forward. But I suppose like if if I had like maybe five or 10 minutes to have a conversation with my younger self, Max and I about when we were starting, I think, mm-hmm. I think it's all in the approach, like specifically for an agency, a creative agency. Um, the advice I think we would probably both give would be, as I've just said, like, you know, to start with the people, you know, people is your most important asset, obviously, but it's not just people, but the right people. And if mm. you get those people in the people with real like, entrepreneurial spirit that, you know, buy into what you what you want to achieve and share your values and are hardworking and we'll put the put the the company first um then then you're on something special and then you know as we did like work with them to figure out what the real passion is and also like commercially what's going to obviously work and then once you crack that then 
turn your attention to your positioning like how can you really make yourself stand out from you know the crowd and and sell in the, the your point of difference um to ensure that you you can then go on to win the projects that are right for you um and then once you've got the projects under your belt make sure you build your profile that's the one thing that we probably didn't do fast enough so i think if you can do all those things you know things like profitability and the the option to build and scale and charge the appropriate pricing will, will follow yep um so yeah people passion positioning projects and profile if you can follow that and just keep working at it like for us it's been real like build up and breakthrough um and we've never we've never sort of uh we've never dropped the standards on the creative that's just always been we've never negotiate on like the work has come first but at some point you have to really try and balance the the creative against the commercials because you have yep. a responsibility to you know keep the agency moving in the right direction and that that's a big challenge but that would be my advice to myself and anybody else who's looking to start an agency um I hope that makes sense and helps no that was great yeah very sage advice i'd love to round it out and ask yeah. um what does ragged edge look like in 2023 that's easy. Um, so we're, like I say, we're nearly 40 people now. And, you know, we'd really love to stay at that sort of size. Like there's a lot of agencies that have done an amazing job at growing from, you know, sort of two to 20 to a hundred people and they're launching studios around the world. And that's fantastic. Mm -hmm, to see. Mm -hmm. um, but we, 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 we believe we can achieve what we want to achieve with a, you know, a 40 person agency. Um, and we love to remain based in London, but we, it's that, it's that reputation piece. I think and we want to build a global reputation. We want to be working for, um, proven change makers as we call them. Like, you know, the, the clients that really have the in-house talent to, to sort of embrace the work that we can deliver, um, and really deliver on the execution of that. Um, so we want to be working with and partnering with and, and even investing in, like I say, proven change makers and building our global reputation as, as creating change maker brands. That's what we want to be doing with the team that we have who are constantly improving and developing and, and hopefully thriving at Ragged Edge. That sounds like a very exciting space. Matt, I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me. And, and yeah, loving the podcast and just keep up the great work. Nice. Thanks, babe. Speak soon. There you go. Massive thank you to Matt for joining me. You can check them out at raggededge.com. This is the last release in this series, so if you haven't already, go and have a gander at my earlier episodes. There is some real gold in there. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Clevio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clevio.com slash your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time. Taking notes.